Good morning and welcome to East Tennessee Now, a weekly public affairs program featuring some of the people and organizations that make our community such a great place to live, work, and raise a family. Here's your host for East Tennessee Now. Good morning. I'm Michelle Silva. I wanted to share something actually someplace, a a very special place that we have right here in our great city of Knoxville. It's it's a great resource. Um, Hopefully no one will have to use it, but I wanted to uh, bring some awareness to our community about it. It is the Family Justice Center. All of their services are free. They work with more than 60 community partners. It is the one place to go to for all services related to domestic violence. So this morning, I'm sitting down with Catherine Ellis, who is the executive director of the center. So we are what we call a co-located collaborative center. Um, We are the hub of services for victims of domestic violence for Knoxville and Knox County. Someone would come here to this building? Yes. We have people who come in just entirely on their own. We also have people who, if they have been involved in an incident, police were called, officers can give them this building's information so that they can then come here for assistance. And also, we sometimes our partner agencies will refer people here. But they come in, and once they have come into the building, we have eight on-site partners and then about 40 off-site partners. And so the idea is that before we opened in 2006, victims often had to go to as many as 20 different locations to get the assistance that they needed, Mm -hmm. legal, law enforcement, social services. And so now they can come to one building and we can give them a lot of the services here and we can connect them to people all just from here so that they don't have to go all over the county. At what point do you know that there's, okay, there's something serious going on and I need help? It, it honestly is different for every single person. Um, on average, victims of domestic violence will leave their abuser seven times before they finally truly leave. So when somebody comes in the door here, that's a huge step for most of them. Um, in a lot of instances, and it's, you know, when you, if you watch Lifetime movies, you know the cycle from those, if, you know, TV movies, that... It's the, the, the person is the best partner you could possibly have. They buy you flowers. They buy you presents. They do everything for you. And then as things get more comfortable, they start to control. And so they'll start to not allow you to see friends, not allow you to communicate with family. Isolation is a big part of the abuse cycle. And then you reach to the point where there's often a physical um, event Sometimes it will start with a single slap. And most people who are in a, an abusive situation, most victims will sort of say, oh, well, he's never done that or she's never done that to me before. They didn't mean it. It's okay. And then there's a huge apology. It's the honeymoon process. And so they'll forgive. And then it happens again. And in some of these relationships, I mean, the time period, it could be a month. It could be five years. I mean, it, it's different for everybody, but it happens again. And usually once it has happened once and happened again, it will become more and more frequent. And what sets the person off is a little like smaller and smaller of a deal. Um, and so the violence will escalate. And if they don't ask for help, you know, they're typically, like I said, the victims are getting isolated. They are losing friends, losing family. And so it's very hard to get help. And that's one of the reasons we want to make getting services easier. Because, like I said, walking in the door of this building is a huge thing. 
when they do walk in the building, I mean, I'm sure they're often scared. Yes. Is he going to find out? Is he going to come back after me? Yep. How how can I get help without him knowing? Yes. Or, or it could be vice versa. I'm yes. It's, it goes both ways. Gender, um, you know, we have seen every possible relationship um, where there's a victim. And so the first thing is when somebody walks in here, um, our entry has a booth. And in that booth is an officer. So it's typically somebody from... Knoxville Police Department, when she's out sick, it'll be somebody from the sheriff's office. So there is an officer there. So there's already sort of a sense of security. But at the same time, we recognize that not everybody is comfortable with law enforcement. So the next step is they, you know, once they give name and they do get to tell us who their abuser is, because that way the person in the booth, if that person comes in, can notify the rest of us and say, we've got both people here in the building and we do everything to make sure that nothing happens. But once the victim has checked in, then they go up to our third floor, which is where we have our navigators um, who are FJC staff. And they explain to the victims what their choices are. Being a victim, one of the main things is they have no control. They are often not allowed to make decisions, not given choices. And so the first thing we do here is we try to make sure that they know they are in control of what's going to happen, that they get to decide. And so the navigators talk to them about the fact that we have law enforcement advocates and non-law enforcement and give them a choice of, do you want to work with law enforcement or do you want to work with the YWCA or Helen Ross McNabb? Because it's the McNabb Center now. And so they are given that choice. They get to say who they want to work with. Um, They also are given a sheet that they get to mark all of the different things they want to be able to get information about and help with. So if they want an order of protection, they can mark it. If they want help with child support, they can mark that. If they need help with housing, so they get to select what we will be talking with them about. Once they've done that, they get paired up with an advocate. The advocate will go through the process for all the services that they're requesting. If they, for example, get a law enforcement advocate and then that person realizes they need help with housing, then they will loop in social services, KCDC, which is next door. If they realize they need help with representation in court for an order of protection, they'll loop in legal aid. If they think that there's enough for potential criminal charges, they'll get an investigator and then they'll loop in the district attorney's office. So there's a way that we can just kind of do it all um, and connect everybody. And make them feel safe. Yes. Yes. And so then what happens from there? So once, they immediately rushed in for a specific shelter or? It depends on their situation. So some come in and say, yes, I need shelter. Uh, McNabb Center has shelter. So that's our first sort of, we check there to see if they have space. But if McNabb doesn't have space, we also have relationships with other shelters in East Tennessee. So there's a safe space shelter that typically serves severe Jefferson, Cock, and Granger counties. There's Haven House, which typically does Blunt and Loudoun. We can check with them, see if they have space. Um, We also, the FJC staff, we can arrange for lock changes. So they'll say, it's my house. I know I'm safe as long as he can't get in. We can arrange for a lock change to occur that day. Um, So we've got different options. We also can provide them with track phones so that if they come in with a cell phone that they think is being tracked or they think that he's, you know, put some sort of mapping something on there that he's following, they can... Or she. Or she, yes, the the abuser. um, Then the victim can leave here with a phone that is specific for them to be able to use for the services 
it's provided to them with minutes. Um, so we can give them that. We can also give them grocery cards, gas cards. We arrange lift rides to and from here and to and from court and to shelter if they need it. Um, if there's no shelter space, we can provide them with hotel rooms for a, a limited amount of days, but we can do that. And what are numbers like these days? Are we seeing domestic violence cases come down? Are they going up? Is it, you know, post-pandemic? Yeah, um, they're, they're definitely going up. Um, we actually expected an increase during the pandemic, during everything being locked down. Um, and we didn't really see the number of calls going up, but the severity of things that we were seeing was increasing. And you basically, you put somebody who's already isolating their victim from family and friends, and now they're all in the building together all the time. So many people losing jobs, there was an increase in stress. Um, so the inability to even go to the grocery store. So there was a lot of escalation, and but there was also a lot of fear of if I do call or if I do leave, where am I gonna go? Because I lost my job because the pandemic or you know there's no way I can go to a hotel because the pandemic there's you know so many things and so we are definitely seeing an increase in the number of calls at this point we're seeing um, probably about I would say we see easily we see more than 50 people every week here in the FJC who just walk in um, for were those numbers before um, so the numbers before uh, were were not track very well. Um, so beforehand, I think that they still were seeing probably 40 plus. Mm -hmm. um, the FJC has served at least a thousand people every year since it opened. Mm -hmm. And, but the, the severity of some of the things has been increasing. So you're seeing more gun violence, more weapon, more strangulation, and so it's sort of the severity of what we're seeing is increasing more so than the numbers. So what can be done? So the first thing is, like I said, we try to make sure that everybody knows we're here. Um, we reach out to, we are starting a new faith leader initiative. We're trying to reach out to faith leaders from all denominations and backgrounds so that we can train faith leaders about what we can do, that we are here and to get them to where they are able to do referrals to us, to send people to us if they recognize that there's something going on. We do the same thing with the schools. Um, we're also gonna be working some more with UT Medical Center. Uh, we've got, you know, we're trying to kind of connect with a lot of the different groups that would see victims. Um, we're getting ready to do what's called a safe bars training, which is a training to go into restaurants and bars and have a team where there would be an advocate and then also a bartender, you know, from different restaurants to train staff, again, to identify. And so that we can basically get the word out to as many people as possible that we are here so that they know that we are an option. What are some signs that we might not know of um, domestic violence or either as a victim or possibly a friend of a mm -hmm. possible victim? I think one of the first things to always look for is that isolation. Um, if, if it is a friend or a family member who has started seeing somebody and they stop calling, they stop, you, you ask if they want to go out for dinner and it's always, well, I have to check with this other person. Or, you know, it's really not a good time, I'm busy, I can't. 
we, we all know that that's part of a new relationship, that there's always sort of the, I'm going to spend all my time with this new person, but there's also a level where if it's somebody who you've been close to and all of a sudden there's not a communication, you're not seeing them the same way you would have normally seen them, that can be a, a sign. Um, also family members, if they're not calling, they're not checking in, then that's also a sign for yourself. If you are with somebody and they start to say, I don't like your friends. I don't really want you to spend time with your friends. Or do we really have to go to your family? You know, I know you've gone to Sunday dinner with them every year for 40 years, but do we really have to do that? And then they convince you to not do that. Every kind of step of isolating you is something that is or should be a red flag. And at that point, is that when you come run to the there's Family no justice center. There is no way to answer that. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's really individual. Um, you know, and there's, you know, we call it domestic abuse, um, not just domestic violence, because there is the mental aspect of the abuse. There is financial abuse. Not everybody is physically abused, so it really is a case by case, individual, and and it's hard. I mean, for victims, it is truly hard because it is somebody who they care about. It is somebody who they love. And so to be in that position, none of us want to think the worst of somebody who we have chosen. And so when we are in a situation where the person we have chosen is now isolating us, abusing us, degrading us, belittling us, it's very hard to say that there is a problem because we don't want to believe it. And so that is, I think, one of the hardest things for most victims is admitting that the person they have chosen, the person who they care about, does not necessarily feel the same way and is not treating them the way that they should be treated. And then you throw kids into the mix. And then, yes, and it's it's not unusual if there are children, you know, victims will stay Mm -hmm. because there are threats against the children. Same with pets. Um, One of the things that we look at as a sign is if there is somebody who has threatened the pets, they are willing to basically, they're at the point where they will hurt whatever they need to in order to make the victim know, this could be you, this could be the kids, you should not challenge me. And so that's something that we ask about here. We've got both the Knoxville Police Department's Special Crimes Unit and the Sheriff's Office Family Crimes Unit. And those units here, their investigators, they look at um, they look at domestic violence, but they also look at elder abuse, child abuse, uh, sexual assault. So they look at several different types of cases that sometimes are domestic and sometimes aren't. But it's because there is such a connection with most of those cases to domestic abuse. Family Justice Center. Yes. On Harriet Tubman Street. Street. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the exact, let's give that number, uh, the actual address, 400 Harriet Tubman Street. People can walk in here. Yes. Anytime. Yes. Victim of domestic assault. Yes. Domestic violence. Yes. What other reasons would they walk in here? Um, they can come in here if... I mean, domestic assault, but also if they just feel like they're in a in a relationship where they are being controlled and they are 
losing some of their ability to make decisions, they can come here. It may not be something that is going to have criminal charges or an order of protection, but they can get connected to the resources that can help them. Mm -hmm. Um, Shelter counseling services through some of the partner agencies. And so, you know, just to make sure that they are able to take control of them, their own lives. Do you think that uh, it's easier for them to walk in here or make a phone call, 911? Well, I mean, for 911, um, you know, obviously if it is, if there is abuse happening and you are not safe, it is always 911. If something is happening right now and you need help, you call 911. And then, like I said, those first responders on scene, they can give information about the FJC. Mm -hmm. Um, Our law enforcement partners here each morning, their advocates look at all of the reports that were submitted the night before or over the weekend, and they call people who might be in a domestic situation to say, if you need to, come here. Um, They can also, there's our helpline phone number, which is 865-521-6336. That is a number that anybody can call, and they will get one of our navigators they can ask about whether or not it's appropriate to come in. They can you know, find out general information, but usually what we say is to go ahead and come in because even if you don't need criminal charges brought, you can get those resources. You learn a little bit more about the cycle, about what you might be experiencing, that you're not alone, and that you have options. And so we do try to get people to come in just to at least meet with somebody and talk. Well, the big message is out there is there are a lot of options for people yes. who may be a victim. Yes, and that we have tried to centralize it so that anybody who needs help, whether it is really just having somebody to talk to and having an opportunity to talk about their experiences and find out what their options are, all the way up to needing criminal charges. Mm-hmm. That if it is related to domestic violence, domestic abuse, they can come here and they will get connected to the right people. Even if it's like, say, during the day and they feel, well, nothing been right now, but maybe hearing this, think, yes. wow, well, those were some of the signs I've seen or been dealing then with. Then they can come in. Yes. It does not have to be something that just happened. It is the Family Justice Center in Knoxville. You can reach them at fjcknoxville.org or at 400 Harriet Tubman Street. And you can also reach them by phone, area code 865-521-6336. If you or someone you know is a victim of domestic violence, the Family Justice Center is the place to go, the place to contact very caring, passionate people, and you will be safe there. Special thanks to Catherine Ellis, who is the executive director of the Family Justice Center, for sharing her morning with us and all that the center does for domestic violence victims. You've been listening to East Tennessee Now, a weekly public affairs program featuring some of the people and organizations that make Knoxville and East Tennessee such a great place to live. If you have a suggestion for the program, we'd love to hear from you. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 27100, Knoxville, Tennessee 37927, or call the studios at 865-525-6000. That's 865-525-6000. East Tennessee Now is a presentation of Midwest Communications Company.